Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Thrive in EDU podcast. I am Rochelle Denae Poth, and this is episode 42 of season two. If you have been listening, thank you, as always, for continuing to listen. And if this is the first time, then I thank you for tuning in. And I hope that you will go back and listen to some of my prior episodes and continue to listen to my upcoming episodes of which I am not sure what they will be about because I tend to just think about something I've experienced, whether I've been involved in a conversation, reading a book, I read a blog, uh, anything that's going on, posts on social media, or something I'm doing in my classroom, just sharing some ideas. So recently, I've talked about some different shifts, like moving from fully virtual to hybrid to in-person five days, looking at learning journeys and digital portfolios, uh, promoting family engagement, communication, and then a little bit in the end, I think, of April, which was not all that long ago, but April seemed to fly by, and everybody was so busy and it's hard to find balance and make time for self-care. So I did an episode about taking a break, which is something I've tried to be more intentional about doing, even if it's just a quick five minutes, giving ourselves time to catch our breath, to listen to music, uh, to have a conversation. I've been using an app, Jabu Mind, for example. So whatever it is that works best for us, as long as we're building in time in our day to focus on making sure that we are finding some balance in our days and modeling that for students. And so thinking about hmm, what can I talk about today, something uh, that I've been involved in a lot of conversations and I've seen so much more about this, especially in this past year, but even more so in the last couple of months, I know for myself years ago, going back to 2015, when I first started to do some presentations at conferences like ISTE or FETC, for example, I was presenting, or in my state, our conference here in our in Pennsylvania, I was presenting on a lot of different topics related to assessment and creativity tools or having students do more with student choice and student voice in the classroom. And I just liked the variety. But in the past year, I've done a lot more presentations on emerging technologies like augmented virtual reality and artificial intelligence, but a lot on social emotional learning, which ironically was something that I really didn't know that much about a couple of years ago and looked into it, did some research. And since then, I've been trying to be more, um, let's, let's see more active, I should say, or actively looking for new ways to bring it into my classroom and to help students build their, their skills in these areas because competency in social-emotional learning can positively impact students in whatever they do after they leave our classrooms and our schools in, in their workplace of the future. And the top skills that employers want coincidentally, uh, correlate to social-emotional learning skills. They want things like teamwork and problem-solving and collaboration and decision-making, which if we look at the five competencies of social-emotional learning, we have self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationships, which are critical, and decision-making. And so the more that we can bring opportunities into our classrooms, for students to work on building their skills in these areas, and for us as adults as well, to work on continuing to build our own skills and model those for students, it will be highly beneficial for them and will better prepare them for the future. So when I started to look at what is social-emotional learning, 
The first place that I went to and that I always recommend is Castle which is C-A-S-E-L.org, and it stands for the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning. And it's not something that's new. It has been around for a, a while, and they have continued to add more resources for parents, for teachers, for schools to go to, to look at, to figure out how do we provide more for our students in these areas. And so the development of these skills, which, as I mentioned, tie in directly to skills needed in the future for work and what employers want, but they also benefit student engagement. And that is an area that I struggled with years ago and that has been a struggle, whether we have been in person, fully virtual, hybrid, it's not something that is likely to go away just because there are a lot of factors that tie into uh, student engagement. And so I really wanted to work uh, a lot on what are some ways that I can boost student engagement in my classroom? How can I help students to develop their social emotional learning skills? Because working on these ties in, like I said, to um, academic success. So we're looking at higher academic achievement. And there is also the research that shows there are there is a decrease in discipline issues in the classroom. And so what we need, especially at the end of this school year, and as we look to the next school year, even though we haven't yet had our summer break, but as I often tell my students, when this school year ends, we are not that far away from starting a new school year. So keeping that in mind, if you are looking for some ideas for boosting student engagement at the end of this school year or for promoting the development of social emotional learning, I feel like the ideas that I'm sharing, they are fresh ideas for May, which was my last episode. But it's also uh, a month where we focus on mental health and mental health awareness and wellness. And so looking at ways to develop skills in these areas, to find that balance and to continue to work on all the things, uh, but building and preparing ourselves or building our skills and preparing ourselves for the future is important. And so what are some practical ways? Well, in my classroom, when I didn't think that I was doing anything for uh, social emotional learning, I realized that I actually was, I just needed to do more. Here are some examples of things you can do. Granted, we're at the end of the school year, but icebreakers are always, well, it depends. <laughs> sometimes they're fun, sometimes not so much. Uh, I started to do those a couple of years ago, just random ones that I would make up, but it doesn't have to be at the beginning of the year. I have done them after a holiday break, sometimes after a weekend or sometimes before putting students into different groups and helping them to become more comfortable with one another and building those relationships. So it is a good opportunity to get to know one another. So we're looking at social awareness, uh, we're building relationships, of course, and then even having conversations, depending on what the icebreaker is, we get to know each other, but we also get to know ourselves. So that was one thing that was easy to do and if we're in person, lots of possibilities that don't require technology. But if we're not in person, we can use some different tools that are out there. And so things like a Flipgrid where students introduce themselves to one another and you as the teacher or the educators as we are, introduce ourselves to our students. Using a tool like Buncee and having students create an about me or there are the three truths and a lie or things that I wish my teacher knew, templates that are already available. It can be a game of Kahoot or quizzes. So they can be totally non-technology related, or we can use some of those digital tools that kind of leverage that space. 
Games are great for a lot of reasons. One, they're fun. Uh, they're great in the classroom depending on what type of game. Again, doesn't have to involve technology. Making up games, having students take materials and make up their own game, that works as well. And of course, we know there are a ton of online tools available for us. And looking at resources, uh, one website that I had found before was Centervention. And that website has some different games, even worksheets and things that you could print out to help students to learn about social emotional learning. But then of course, there's also those other games that we can use. We can even use some tools like Nearpod that have lessons focused around SEL, but then add in some different opportunities for students to interact or to put in some games in there just to add something, I don't know, a little bit different at the end of the year, but also to be able to understand our students uh, what they are interested in or add in questions about the content that we're teaching and, and be better able to understand where they are in terms of learning. Stations, a little bit more difficult in our current uh, situation here, but whenever I was in my classroom pre, I mean, a couple of years ago, I got rid of the rows of desks and I set stations up and that made a big difference. And it was something that I noticed, but it was also something that my students came and told me about how much more they liked our class because they had the opportunity to work with their classmates to do different activities. They weren't all doing the same thing at the same time. And when I made that big shift from, okay, I'm in the front of the room talking at you and you're sitting there to, okay, now we have these different stations. I explained to them how it worked, how I thought and or hoped that it would work, involved the students in the discussion. And then I think that made a difference because we are explaining to our students, like, this is why we want to try this. Uh, this is what our goals are. It's taking a risk and valuing them in the conversation. It makes a big difference for, I, I guess, on so many levels, on our classroom environment, on the community that we're building in our classroom, on building those relationships in our classroom too. So we have those. Uh, other options, of course, there are some different platforms that provide a lot of activities for students. Pick-a-pack is one that you can use for the curriculum for social emotional learning, or even checking in on students. We have a lot of ways to do a quick check-in. I learned about using Desmos a couple of weeks ago from an educator in a local conference here, and there were just a lot of possibilities out there. So thinking about the end of the school year when we're looking to check in on our students to continue to build those relationships, to boost student engagement, to provide as much uh, interaction or opportunities for students to collaborate and feel part of the same class, especially if we're not together in the same class. I think these are just some of the ideas that I would recommend and that I've tried. And of course, they come with some challenges, right? If you do have stations and you can't be in person or we're worrying about the spacing, using some digital tools or using breakout rooms, for example, that can help. Uh, deciding who to put into which group, all random, use a the random picker, like a wheel, the random wheel of names, for example. But there are so many benefits, even with all things, there are always going to be challenges. But the benefits of doing some of these things, especially at the end of the year, is that it gives us something something to think about and reflect on over the summer to maybe try some new tools that we've heard of but haven't had time for or to work through something like, you know, I noticed that my students aren't as engaged or we're all feeling exhausted and we still have five or six or longer more weeks to go in the school year. 
and just adding something extra, maybe some fun or a new way to kind of interact with what it is that the students are learning makes a difference. And so student engagement, for my experience, they did become more engaged in learning and would come in and tell me how much they were looking forward to class. They stopped looking at the clock, which I thought was interesting, although some still do. But with the different activities that we provide, students are more active and they're more invested and it becomes a more authentic and meaningful experience. Students also have become kind of leaders in and out of the classroom because they see some of the tools that we use or they build their confidence as they're working with classmates or working with me. And uh, that has definitely been a plus, especially when I've had some students who were kind of hesitant to speak. And we did some of those icebreakers and had students speak on Flipgrid, where even though classmates would see the video, the students knew, and I know, that you can record it multiple times until you're comfortable with the end product. And then once you feel good about it, you don't mind others seeing it. It's that initial speaking up in front of somebody else, uh, having that confidence to do that, especially as in my case of students speaking in Spanish. That's something that I, I was always hesitant with growing up. And even as an adult, sometimes when I have the opportunity to speak with native speakers, I get nervous. I get nervous speaking in front of colleagues sometimes. We all experience that. But in providing some support and a way to kind of build those skills makes a difference. Uh, other benefits, teacher and student, student to student relationships, being able to use some of these tools to better understand our students, to learn about their interests, to have conversations, to interact in ways that perhaps if we're not in person, those tools enable us to build that community and to feel more connected, even though we're not necessarily connected in that same space. And so those are just a couple ideas to share with you, some different tools, some different strategies, and especially at the end of this year, looking for some new ideas perhaps to try before the year winds down, and then we have time over the summer to engage in some learning opportunities. So I would say since it is the month of May, and we're trying to you know stay strong to the finish and keep going, try something different or do a survey and ask your students about their interests, like the tools that you've used in your classroom or the strategies that you've used, which ones are their favorite and why, or which ones are not their favorite and why. But having the conversations and planning together and really creating that sense of community, I think makes a difference. I, I shouldn't say I think, I know it makes a difference. And that is something I am not an expert about or in, whichever one is appropriate there, but it is something that I have been working on and I will continue to work on every single day, trying to learn more and more and definitely share with others. So as always, I would love to hear from you. What is working? What is not working? What is something that you've tried and you want to share? Please let me know. Would love to hear about it. And I also invite you to join my Thrive in EDU community on Facebook. Uh, it's a great space to connect with educators from around the world. We go live on Mondays and Fridays with a guest, talk about education, have some fun and laughs, and hopefully it's just a time for you to take a break. Uh, focus on some self-care and join us, add in some comments, have some fun, engage in our game of would you rather with some uh, like seriously silly questions that I come up with and I find because there's lots of interesting games out there all over the internet for us to explore. So I thank you for listening. I will catch you in the next episode.